COVID-19 has twisted the screw on the job prospects for young people the world over and Australia of course is no exception. The massive changes we're witnessing in the job market have profound implications for young people's education. Today I'm thrilled to be talking with Adam Jacobs whose company Hatch is at the front line of addressing this change. Adam's passion is using tech to shape positive futures and as we will hear, Hatch is an IT company with an extraordinary mission to build a future where all people find meaning in work. We'll be exploring the importance of work integrated learning, building relationships with employers and other students to get ahead of the unemployment queue. A few headlines about Adam. Adam studied philosophy, marketing and management at Sydney and Boston universities, was awarded the Young Executive of the Year and runner-up Managing Director of the Year by the CEO Magazine's Annual Awards. In 2018, Hatch was selected as a top 20 business of tomorrow by Westpac. Hello and welcome to New Work Bites, brought to you by Gateway Len. I'm Jan Owen. I've been obsessed with the interface between young people, education, the future of work for 20 years through my work with Social Ventures Australia, the Foundation for Young Australians, and now as co-convener of Learning Creates Australia. I'm super excited to be working with Gateway Len on this podcast series, which is part of their virtual work reality suite, providing up-to-date information and powerful insights about the world of work. I'm joining you from... Boonwurrung and Wurundjeri country where I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome Adam. Hello Jan. Great to, to have you. To you. It's wonderful to have you here. Now Adam, I like to begin all New Work Bites conversations with five speed casting questions just to get us yes. going. Uh, get people okay. to know you a bit. So are you happy to get started? It is a little bit I'm, like a game show. I'm happy. I'm ready. I'm feeling good. <laughs> Great. All right. Uh, question number one. You have a minute. Uh, tell us about Hatch and what you do. Hatch is a uh, online employment platform that connects young people to jobs. And the idea behind it is to look at someone's underlying transferable strengths rather than what's on their CV, like what they studied or their education background. Uh, my role is founder and co-CEO, and so I do lots of different things during the day, but on the whole, I, I run the team and set the strategy. Best learning curve on the job or something you learnt most on the job? So I've got to go way back in my career on this one. When I was 19, um, between high school and uni, I spent a year selling kitchen knives um, and I, it was a personal referral program where you go to someone's house, not door to door, you don't knock on the door, you get referred to customer, go to their house and you do a demonstration for an hour and try and sell them some very high quality kitchen knives, you know, not dodgy, but, but um, quite, quite good product. And I just learned so much about communication and resilience and being independent and goal setting and eventually running teams because I became a um, leader of a sales team. It, it was the most um, unexpected and incredible learning experience of my life. <laughs> but wait, there's more really makes sense to you in those advertising because that was you. That's so the knives. Those, I got so many of those jokes, but wait, there's more. I but, um, but wait, there's yeah. more. Um, I don't even want to go there. Uh, that's great. So question three, uh, COVID-19, love and loathe. My loathe would be um, just communicating with people through screens nonstop. Um, and 
I, you know, I love in-person communication. I love being in a room with a group and understanding their energy and, um, and, and really trying to connect with them. And it's so hard to do over a screen. And as someone who leads a company, I found it really difficult to, um, to be a leader through this time where my tools are really handicapped. Um, so that, that would be my loathe. The love um, on the flip side is being home a lot means that I get to go out for runs with my, with my puppy often and she's got this really cute ponytail. And so whenever we go running, like everyone just smiles at her nonstop and it just like gives me warm and fuzzy feelings through the day. Beautiful. I think lots of people can relate to those. Um, question four, what's your superpower? I think um, my superpower would be um, love of learning. I am a jack of all trades. I've, I've had, you know, probably four different careers so far. I've figured out how to build an e-commerce business without having worked in retail before. I'm doing the same thing now in the employment space. I've, you know, previously was in management consulting and worked across a really broad range of industries. Um, so I just, I, I love being thrown into a new problem space and learn learning about it and picking up new skills. Um, and that's, yeah, that's probably my superpower. I think. Mm. So I'm going to hold question number five and keep us all in suspense until the end of this interview. Um, and I, but I want to get on to some key themes around the future of work and the new world of work with you, Adam. Um, I'm going to start with this story about AI and this idea about the fact that you could actually match people <laughs> just from their profile with a job and with an employer, it seems actually further into the 21st century than we are now. Um, and I know that we've heard about this and lots of people are, are doing this, but what does it actually mean and what does it look like in real life? I think there's a few myths around AI. And, you know, when we talk about artificial intelligence or machine learning, often in our mind, it's just a black box of algorithms doing things we don't really understand. And, and the reality is, and this is something that we've learned through the last few years of Building Hatch, that um, particularly when it comes to understanding humans, robot, robots are not yet smarter than people, right? And, and when, you, when you match a person to a job, you've got to understand two humans, the, the, the candidate um, that's going into a job and then a manager who's receiving them. You've got to understand um, what their requirements are, what their behavioral styles are, what their value sets look like, what their strengths profiles look like. Um, there's, there's a whole sort of set of fairly ambiguous things you need to try and understand. So the way, the way you do that through AI, it's starting by breaking down those questions in a structured format into different dimensions that you want to learn about. I want to learn about someone's personality traits. I want to learn about someone's cognitive ability strengths, their spatial reasoning, their logical reasoning, their, um, their motivators, their preferences, their interests. Um, you know, we, we call it a taxonomy of information that's required to match someone to a job. And once you have that structured way of thinking about it, you can then understand which pieces of that information can technology help you to acquire and which pieces do you still need humans to acquire? So for example, a cognitive ability assessment is quite easy to automate and learn from using algorithms, whereas um, someone's communication skills is really hard to assess. You know, as much as we have natural language passing that we could put on top of the way someone write, writes text, it's still not sophisticated at all, you know, and, and, the, mm. and the results aren't particularly reliable. Mm. So, And that's where us, this idea about um, the kind of unconscious or conscious bias kind of comes in around this. There's a lot of uh, controversy around that, I guess. 
Absolutely. I mean, AI is is just reinforcing existing patterns. That's all it is. You know, you, mm. you start with uh, you, you start with a way of seeing the world and you try and replicate it in a more efficient manner. Mm. Um, and if you start with patterns that are inherently biased, you just you're just going to get more of them. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's really important that you that we start not with that algorithmic black box, but with um, humans assessing different pieces of the information I described before. And then over time, um, transitioning that to technology, doing that job. And I would say that we're still probably 60 to 70% of the work's being done by humans mm. and, you know, 30 to 40% is being done by technology and, and that balance is changing over time. Mm. And where, where is, that's what Hatch is doing, where is this in the kind of broader uh, world? Where are we at and where are we heading? I think that there are different worldviews out there. Mm. Um, and we're, we're probably further down the spectrum of we're very focused on unconscious bias and we're very focused on um, accuracy of an outcome, much more so than we are focused on efficiency. And, and those who are focused on efficiency are taking a different worldview, which is, well, look, we have a lot of CVs out there in the world. Mm. Instead of reading them all, how might we be able to use AI to pass them and look at keywords and take a more algorithmic view to predicting which of those CVs might be a fit. Um, our belief is that starting with CVs in the first place is actually a bad idea, and there's all these biases ingrained into them, but that's, but that's not a worldview shared by everyone, and there's mm. lots of products and technologies popping up to um, reinforce the efficiencies of the way that we're already doing things. Mm. It feels like it's a pretty uh, loaded space. Um, I wonder... Uh, how quickly we'll get to almost a kind of an ethical framework around this from uh, employers or will there be a couple of kind of, I don't know, actions, class actions that will take place? I mm. mean, where where is this at in terms of the kind of pushback or because I understand that it's being used really widely, mm. um, but who's who's monitoring, who's monitoring this and deciding how it should be uh, Im implemented? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it still is the Wild West, for sure. Right. There's there's lots of different approaches being taken. And, you know, we connect regularly with many employers um, and they're using a variety of tools that, that approach how you use AI in hiring in lots of different ways. Um, you know, some of them are robotic phone calls that asks you, ask the candidate questions. Um, others are CV screening in an automated way. Others are gamified um, online experiences, a game that you do and it tries mm. to deduce your cognitive ability. So there's a, there's a whole range of stuff out there. The ethical question is a, is a really good one. Um, I would say that in the past five years, particularly, there's been an awakening around both ethics in AI, but also ethics in hiring. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, there's been much more of a focus on diverse workforces and organizations and inclusive ones too. And that's naturally led to um, more, I guess, organizations spending more time thinking about their hiring practices and removing bias from them. There is no standard. Um, there, are, there are organizations out there like the St. James Ethics Center that are trying to help put some standards down, um, but it is still the Wild West. And um, I agree, I think that it's going to take a class action suit or something of that manner to shock the system into a status quo. Mm. Um, the second thing that I wanted us to explore today a little bit is 
the kind of future of digital skills. So there's lots of research out there around um, every job being affected. You know, we expect in the next um, five years or so that 70% of jobs will um, have digital skills connected to them and um, that, you know, we can see this wasn't just kind of a sector as sort of one part of the industry or one part of the world of work that is kind of digital over here and tech but actually in every job and in every context, um, there's going to be a much greater need for people to have digital skills. Tell us about what you're seeing kind of on the front line around, around that area. So there's, there's two trends I'll, I'll talk to there around um, the future of digital jobs. The first is over the past six months, we've been speaking to four to 500 employers who we're working with through an initiative that we stood up to uh, redeploy displaced workers uh, due to COVID-19 into new parts of the economy based on their transferable skills. Um, and, and what we're hearing from those employers is that this moment through COVID-19 is a very sharp acceleration of a broader arc of change that was already going on anyway towards a digital economy. You know, and, and, and where that arc of change may have landed us five years from now in a place where um, digital capabilities are you know, representing 50, 60, maybe 70% of growth job, of, of job growth. Um, that's probably happening right now, you know, in, in 2020 and 2021 due to the global pandemic. And it makes sense because most businesses have had to shift so much of the operations and their channels to market online. Um, and so digital capabilities all of a sudden are becoming way, way more relevant. Um, so when, when I'm having conversations about employers around young talent, what they're saying to me is, yes, we want more young people. We want them in software engineering. We want them in digital marketing. We want them in um, analytics and data science and design and product management. I'm hearing a lot of that. Mm. The, second, the second trend I'll note is what, it, what does it actually mean to build digital skills and capabilities? 20 years ago, it meant that you built, built very technical skills, that you became um, quite, quite advanced at a programming language, for example. Today, where those skills are recycling much faster, you know, a, a stat that I like to quote is in the 1980s, the half-life of a professional skill was about 30 years. Today, it's about five years. So where those skills are recycling much faster, and where we're getting more efficient in how we use technology, and back to the comment about AI, we don't have to do everything from scratch. And so robotics and automation is creating a base for us to build on. It means that a lot of the time to have digital capabilities doesn't mean that you have a very niche technical skill set. It means things like you're a strong problem solver. You can be a creative thinker. Mm. You can learn fast. You can learn new technologies fast. You can understand how you integrate the use of technology into a job that otherwise might not have used it so much because all jobs now will be integrating technology. Yeah. Um, you, you can be empathetic in thinking about what people need and how people interact with technology and how we are ethical in the way that we introduce technology into different user journeys or products or services. Um, these, these in my mind really are the foundation level skills that are going mm. to equip young people to succeed in a world that looks like a digital economy. Mm. And when, I mean, we're having a fantastic raging debate in Australia right now about humanities versus um, technical skills. Yeah. Um, and I'm super interested in, you know, what is that student who really has got a very strong humanities perspective or interest in the world, inquiry, um, 
what does that student do today with a kind of a, you know, heading towards 80, 90% digital world and environment? Yeah. I mean, I personally, I think it's um, short-sighted to kneecap studies in the humanities in favour of studies that are vocationally, um, that, that appear to be vocationally relevant immediately. You know, I, in at least my experience in coming from a humanities background. So of course, I'm going to be biased in my view here. I'll put that on the table because it is my background. But, well, it's um, not biased because actually you've got, you've done both. I've had that path. <laughs> you've got, yeah, you I'm, run I'm a tech company. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But um, for me, for me in studying philosophy, it, it taught me how to think, you know, it, it taught me how to think critically, how, how to um, how to apply logic, how to form arguments, how to unpack arguments down to its constituent foundational, you know, um, components. It, it taught me how to relate to people. It taught me how to connect abstract arguments to pra- practical outcomes for communities. Um, you know, all of those skills are so relevant in a digital world. I mean, they're so relevant. It's, it's exactly the same set of skills you need to be able to then um, move into the information economy mm. where you're solving problems and where you're, you're, you're reinventing um, pieces of technology. It's, it's the exact same mm. foundation base. And so I think that someone coming out of a humanities background I mean, we, we know that most vocational skills are learnt on the job anyway. So mm. I think someone coming out of a vocational, a, a humanities background is really well equipped to have the learning curve and the foundational skills required to succeed in the digital world. That's certainly been true for me. I've seen it to be true for many people I've employed. Um, and so I, you know, I actively frequently encourage young people to study humanities. Mm. Uh, you know, I think it's a really great path in. Mm. That's great. Lots, lots of people are going to love hearing you say that. Uh, the head of a tech company. Um, finally, Adam, I just I think it's a kind of a mystery that surrounds um, what employers are really looking for and what they want and what they want out of school students, what they want out of grads. Um, you know, it's almost like a bit of a black hole for those of us who are kind of in education you know, working on the supply side and getting mm. that supply side, you know, and working with students and getting new learning and all these new skills and capabilities. Mm. Why is work integrated learning and that kind of internship model important? And what is it, how does it help um, bridge that massive chasm between kind of the, the student and the employer? Yeah. You know, if, if I were to use some old language, so, so you know, please excuse the sort of old schoolness of this, of like soft skills versus hard skills. And the Which world's moved on a little bit I, from... that I've banned from every <laughs> single talk ever. Let's use, let's use Jan Owen language of enterprising skills versus technical skills. Would that be how you... Great. Human skills are also good. It's good. Human yeah. skills. So I, I, think, I think the myth is that what employers are looking for are... are technical skills, uh, students to come out of education um, with expertise in cybersecurity or expertise in digital marketing, because they're the skills that are required in in a digital economy. I think that's a complete myth. Um, And it's certainly not consistent at all with what I've seen in dealing with hundreds and hundreds of employers and thousands of young people. What they're actually looking for is the human skills. You know, they're looking for someone to come into the workforce um, with the ability to organize themselves, to be proactive, to form good relationships, to communicate well, to have strong feedback loops, to um, be really agile learners and be versatile in the way that they are disciplined in learning new um, tools and skills. 
um, that have great attitudes, that they're genuinely driven about the work they're doing and it's a good fit for them, so they're motivated to do it, that they're a safe pair of hands, that they're reliable. These are the things that employers are looking for. The, the technical skills of, and you're an expert in cybersecurity, they're going to teach you that, you know, that you, you'll learn that along the way. And so I think that chasm of education to, um, to the workforce, where, where it's problematic is there's only so much you can learn in a theoretical environment that prepares you with the traits I just mentioned for a real world workforce environment. And actually the best way to develop some of those human skills, because you can develop them, mm. um, is by having um, experiences in the real world, you know, an experience working in a team for a period of time um, and getting feedback and learning about yourself and learning about your strengths and um, getting better at professional communication and getting, getting better at the way that you form relationships and set goals and meet those goals. Um, experiential learning can help bridge the gap between you know, theoretical learning and needing to perform in the real world. Um, and that's where I think working integrated learning can play a big role. It's, it's what I hear from employers time and time again when we place students that they love. It, it's not we love them because they were amazing at Excel. It's we love them because um, they're, they're, a fresh, um, they're fresh energy into the team. They're doing what I've asked of them. They're learning fast. They're being proactive. Um, you know, they're, they're a new perspective on the problems that we're trying to solve that's valuable. Um, so it's very much the human skills. And, and I think that um, there's a big opportunity for us to lean more into how we prepare the next generation with those skills. So we equip them for success as they move into the workforce. That is fantastic. Uh, you have done some serious myth busting today, Adam. I want to thank you for that. I started off saying that's what we're going to do. And that's exactly what you've done. Um, the whole importance of our AI kind of still meets the human skills, um, that we're still working all of that out and we need to be very vigilant about it. The kind of acceleration to digital skills um, right now has been, um, you know, really uh, clear in the, in the workforce, but also that mixed with the humanities that um, we still want people who can think and have ways of thinking. And then what employers want um, around sort of a, kind of at what I would describe as kind of attitude and spirit uh, over and above skills because you're going to train on the job, you're going to learn those skills, but actually what people bring to the workplace and how they show up um, and how they can get involved in experiential learning um, is going to be the most powerful thing that employers are really looking for. So a uh, heap of myth busting. I want to go back to our very last question mm. of our five uh, fast questions. Um, what do you, Adam Jacobs, still want to learn from the University of Life? So my answer is going to be a very reflective one <laughs> and somewhat personal, which is um, how to be less driven by external expectations. And, and, I, and I, I answer with that for, for two reasons. Um, one, when I think about the system of work and the future of work, I, I, I would love to see a world where individuals find their place not because it's what's expected of them by their communities or um, by their teachers or even their parents or by their friends but it's it's genuinely what's a great fit for them and what they love and what their strengths are and what they're motivated by. Um, I actually think the system of work reinforces social expectations um, around us and I'd, and I'd love to see a future of work where um, that pressure is relaxed um, but also just for me myself personally 
as someone um, who's an entrepreneur, there's this like really unhealthy trait of entrepreneurs that you're always trying to prove to the world that you can build the next thing. Um, and I don't find it particularly helpful in my life. So I'd love to learn to relax that need um, over time. Adam, it has been such a pleasure um, to have you on New Work Bites today. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, good luck with Hatch. It's a fantastic uh, new enterprise. <laughs> And um, I think we're going to see a lot more about what Hatch can do for students, particularly um, as they navigate this world of work. Thanks again. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Thanks for the conversation, Jan. Really enjoyed it. <laughs>